On this episode of Resi Week, Control 4 acquires Nero, Crestron has its new Crestron home, and Alon's intelligent touch panels. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 158, Belly Flow. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Middle Atlantic, what great systems are built on, and by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality projection screens worldwide. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories from the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for avnation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by one of my good time friends, Joe Whitaker. He is the president of The Thoughtful Home in St. Louis and Dallas. How you doing, buddy? Glad to be on the show again. Thanks doing so well. Thanks so much for being here. Then we have one of my other good friends uh, from New York, Mark Feinberg. He is the president of Home Theater Advisors. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me on again. Thank you so much for being here and not mentioning the Patriots. <laughs> Last but not least, we try to be good about that. Shh, don't do it, man. Don't do it. <laughs> Last but not least, we have another one of my good friends, Ted Green. He is the editor of strategy.com. How are you doing, Ted? Always good, Matt. Always good to be with you. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, we are going to jump right into some stories that uh, are, are very hot uh, coming out of ISC. If you missed it, we were obviously at ISC. We had a ton of coverage, did a bunch of stuff. Uh, check it out on our website, avnation.tv, also on YouTube and on most of our social platforms. But this broke uh, kind of late on Tuesday, coming to us uh, from our website, from avnation.tv. Control 4 adds Neo to the team. The Kickstarter smart home remote has been uh, or was acquired by Control 4. That was announced uh, just after their earnings call on Tuesday, uh, kind of late in the day in Amsterdam, but uh, towards the end of the day in North America. So to talk about that uh, very exciting story, we have Corden Vaughn. He is the Senior Director of Product Marketing at Control 4 and Margie Duffy. She is the Senior Product Manager of Interaction Devices at Control 4. So first of all, welcome to both of you. Uh, we got to spend a little bit of time with both of you guys uh, in Amsterdam for ISC. Uh, hopefully you had a great show. Corden, I want to start with you on this. This obviously is, a, is huge news and congratulations to you and Margie and, and the entire Control 4 team. But leading into this acquisition, uh, Control 4 in the last couple of years, you guys have been acquiring a, a lot of people is kind of the easiest way to put that. Uh, you have been on a bit of a spending spree. But what I wanted to ask you was, Neo is not a traditional AV company in, in the sense that they're not typical in this space. They're not someone who started in this space and has a long history in the CI channel. They come from, you know, kind of the Kickstarter and the, the DIY community. How does that change or, 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 or what is the challenge in acquiring a, t a company coming out of that background opposed to our traditional space? Great, great question, Matt. Um, 
I would say if we had acquired the NEO team for the same reason that we had acquired other companies, it probably would pose a bit of a bigger challenge. Um, in every acquisition that we do, there, uh, there tend to be multiple reasons for the, doing the acquisition. There's obviously a, a talented people at the company that you're acquiring that you want to be part of the team. Uh, they typically have a product line that you're trying to add to the portfolio as well, so our dealers can, can benefit um, from that. In this particular instance, um, there are a couple of unique things. One is that the founders of NEO actually came from this industry. So they have experience, and so they, they kind of know how to you know, talk the language and interact with us, and they kind of get what we as a company are doing. They uh, had, had been dealers themselves, and so um, that, I think, made it easier. But, but the bigger issue, frankly, was that we were acquiring the company because of the team that they had pulled together. Um, we uh, are very focused on the end customer right now and the experience that the end customer has with Control 4. And uh, as we started interacting with them, uh, it became clear that they had assembled a great group of uh, individuals that are really excellent at developing uh, very fine products. And we wanted to uh, accelerate the work that we're doing on interaction devices. And it just became clear that this was a team that would just help us get there faster. Very good. Uh, Margie, you've been working with the NEO team for uh, a couple of months now. What's involved in integrating and, and onboarding a team like this to, to Corden's point where it was not just uh, like a product acquisition, which is the easiest assumption to kind of come by when you buy a, a company such as this, is that it, it's, it's more of a product acquisition. How is it uh, integrating, you know, the, the creative team at NEO into the control for culture and, and getting everybody on board? Um, we have... It, that's been a big question for me throughout all of this is how do you, you know, bring two cultures together? I mean, the, the, uh, the Neo team is, is based in Switzerland. And, and so, you know, Swiss culture uh, compared to culture of Salt Lake City. Um, uh, but we, um, honestly, it's been, it's been a delightful experience working with the, the Neo team. They have um, an efficiency and, uh, and a, like a craftsmanship um, to the organization of their company. Um, you know, it's, it's like how the beauty of a Swiss watch, they've done that with, with, their, with their team in how their software teams run, how their hardware teams run, how they're testing, how they're manufacturing. Um, that it has just been, um, it's been really easy to plug our, um, our products into, into their, um, into their efficient kind of channel of, of creating things. Um, and it's, it's, it's been a delight. I've, I've actually, um, I'm spending the month in Switzerland with the team. Um, I'll be spending more time here. And so as we, um, you know, part of it is just kind of cross-cultural pollination of bringing everything from Control 4 uh, that's good to, um, to Neo and bring everything that's good of Neo to Control 4. It's, it's actually, it's a beautiful partnership. Very cool. Uh, Carton, this is this product has enamored or, or, or been something that that people have been very enamored with for a long time. It's gotten write-ups in national press. It's been something that even within the CI community, even though it wasn't really built for us, we've kind of fawned over it a lot. How do you, you know, get C4 customers to really understand? 
you know, where we're going to go with this and where, how quickly they're going to see something, knowing that they're not just going to get a brand new remote that looks like the current one with a C4 stamp on it tomorrow. Yeah, uh, good, good question. The, the, the challenge with this particular acquisition is that be, because of uh, the, the fact that we're a publicly held company, this acquisition is considered a material um, acquisition for the company. We had a bit of a challenge in that we needed to announce the acquisition of the company before we had a product that we could share with customers, which kind of goes against our overall um, just approach to talking about products with our customers. When we're going to introduce something new, we don't talk about it months or years ahead of time. We, we talk about it the day you can buy it. And uh, in this situation, the team has been working together for a little while, but we needed to go ahead and make the announcement that we had acquired the company before all of the development work is done. Um, we're not going to say at this point when the new product will be available, but the team is working um, t together and, and I think working together very well in delivering something that our customers are going to love and we'll get it out there as quickly as we can. That's, that's probably as much as I can, can really say. Um, we expect that there'll be more news later this year about that and uh, stay tuned and, until then. Um, you know, know that we have a, a great larger team working on great interaction devices. And uh, obviously our current product line is available and selling extremely well. We hope people will try it. So you're not going to announce something new right now? Uh, I, I'm not. Yeah, you know, got to try somewhere. Uh, Margie, last question for you. Um, because of your background in uh, UI and UX design, what was the attraction to Neo that, that makes that product so cool from, from someone, you know, who's really not like, obviously you've been in the industry now for a couple of years, but you don't come from this industry. What mm -hmm. makes the Nero such a cool device? Um, I, I would say two things. Uh, one is I, I worked on the first uh, MacBook um, Pro that was a, a unibody, that was aluminum unibody. Um, uh, I remember seeing the first keyboard for it and, and feeling like a visceral need to kiss it because I, it was so beautiful. Um, and, uh, and, and, I, and I feel like, you know, this is the first remote where they took an aluminum unibody and, and you know, carved it out. Um, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, that's one. Um, the other is in, you know, I, my background is more in mechanical design, uh, industrial design, and you can do mechanical industrial design. Um, but if you don't have, you, know, you can do a beautiful lightweight design, but if you don't have an operating system and a software, um, that's light and, and runs, um, with low, low battery usage and, and can have a long battery life, um, you, you fail. Uh, and so, um, when I, I met Raphael at ISC a year ago and, and I had been with the company for a month and, and he gave me a deep dive on remote controls and how they work and how, and software and how Android works and how all these other choices you can have for operating systems, um, were out there and, and what it, they developed their own operating system from scratch to be able to, uh, I mean, through open source, but, um, but they, they developed their own operating system to be able to, um, meet all the needs that I was trying to meet with, with, uh, you know, Android and other platforms. Um, so for us, 
they've actually delivered what I wanted to be able to deliver. And so to be able to bring them in is a dream come true for me. Fantastic. Well, thank you both for uh, taking some time to speak with us today. We were hoping to get Raphael on as well. Unfortunately, he's on vacation because, well, he just had some some good news come out. Um, so if you guys can hang around, that would be fantastic. I want to go around the horn real quick, but of course, if you do have to leave, we understand. Uh, let's go around the horn real quick. Mark, I wanted to kind of start with you. You are a in the trenches working with C4 every day. It is your go-to automation platform. Uh, I, I read the story that you and, and my, our, our friend Puma put out uh, just the other day on, on Resi Sys. I wanted to ask you, from a, from a dealer perspective, again, somebody who's in the trenches every day with C4, is, is the excitement that you know, we're seeing from the press side, is the excitement there or is it hype? Is, is this an, uh, an announcement that you're enamored with? I'm really excited. And I think if you, you know, I'm, I'm really active on some of the control for dealer Facebook groups and on the control for dealer forums and user groups and a bunch of other things. There's been a lot of people clamoring for a sexier remote from control for, for a long time, something that had maybe some more soft buttons to it, you know, touchscreen voice control, what, you know, everyone wants everything, but yeah, the, the market has really been demanding this, and I think everyone's really excited to see it coming to fruition. Very good. Joe, uh, again, you're another integrator who, who works with control on, on a daily basis. When you, when you look at this announcement, is this one of those things where you get excited from the standpoint, kind of like that Mark alluded to, that there's been a, should we say a question? Uh, about when they're going to see, when, when the dealer base are going to see new remotes come from C4, something that is, um, you know, not as as seasoned, shall we say, as, as the current slate. Is this one of those things that makes you look at it and go, yes, I cannot wait to see the, the technology advancements that Nero has put into a slate of something from Control 4? So I'll touch on a couple of really quick things. Uh, so number one, you talk about excitement and kind of, you know, getting the gears already turning, I want to start off by asking Corden a question. Are you guys going to honor all those pre-orders I did at CEDIA this last year? <laughs> because we pre-ordered a lot of these remotes. Like, a lot. So, the, 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 the short answer how is... Many, the, how many did you order? <laughs> <laughs> Ten, Okay. <laughs> so but that, that's how the excitement is. I know what the answer is, Corden. I know it's not. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that, that, you know, you talk about the excitement. That's how excited we were. You know, I had the whole team, well, the whole upper team at Senior this year, and that was one of the highlights I already had on the list because there was already backdoor talks about them being able to not be in part of Control Four, but being able to support it natively within you know their platform, which I thought was exciting. It makes so much sense to me on the business portion because um, me and Corden, I go back with him and data way back with iPod docs and other stuff, you know, way back there. And then seeing the transition of control four remotes and the way they work through the year, you know, the V1 remote was kind of shaped like a dish network remote. And then you added color button <laughs> and then glow in the dark keys. And then there was an SR250. And then, you know, that transition happened that the style and the function kind of went along with it. But then when a company comes out with a beautiful remote, buttons really well laid out, has a touchscreen on it, and oh, by the way, it's also built on the same OS platform that Control 4 is currently using, 
there was a lot of bricks that all are building up this house. And then to go to think that uh, Mr. Kendall just comes on the team who happens to have eyes on both of those sectors from a business aspect that makes so much sense to make it exciting for me, who already was in love with the remote before Control 4 made the acquisition, who already wanted a new remote. And I mean, it's just, it, it's like, you know, things don't fall in well together like that too often. With Control 4, it's happened a lot though. You know, package, triad, all the things that I've already used and loved all under one house, I am extremely excited about this remote. Very good. Ted, I've left the arguably probably the simplest question for you. Um, That's good. I'm a simple guy. I, I wasn't saying that, or <laughs> saying that, but I'm glad you took it there. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're a good friend of mine. I, I know that you love analyzing everything. You dig into stuff really well. So my question for you is how long until we see something? From this partnership, you mean? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, what's, the what's your guess? people would be better at that than me. I mean, I can tell you that in well, general. I know, but they're not going to answer it, which is I, why I'm I, asking I, you. I mean, you know, I don't know how long they've been talking, but in general's terms, you know, if you start a project from today, it's, you know, 12 to 18 months before anything comes of that, but they didn't start today. So uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing something much sooner than that from this partnership. Excellent. But what, uh, I, what I would like to say is, uh, you know, I think that, um, as you know, Matt, I tend to be more on the business side of the business. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, very clearly what I'm seeing from Control 4 and CEO Martin Plain, um, who I've ch had the opportunity to uh, chat with on multiple occasions, is that this is really becoming one of uh, um, a key source for a competitive advantage for uh, Control 4, which is finding uh, opportunities uh, out there for acquisitions that provide, um, you know, enhancement uh, for some core element of what they're doing. So in this case, I think the product, and I'm not super familiar with the product. I've not had the chance to play with uh, any of their previous designs up till now. I've read about them. I know a little bit about them. Um, but uh, the product is certainly one element of that. Um, the other part of that is that, and this may turn out to be, with all due respect to the Control 4 people, this may turn out to be the most valuable aspect of this acquisition is um, their extensive experience now of dealing directly with consumers and getting that, getting that direct consumer feedback. It's easy in manufacturing, you know, we're all smart people, we do our best, but it's easy to lose that connection with the end customer. We're very busy dealing with our customers, which are the integrators that are the uh, people that we're directly selling to, to then resell our products. It's challenging to have that sensitivity for the end user, especially in an industry like this, smart smart home products, which have a lot of uh, you know diversity and appeal to a lot of different kinds of consumers, I think this is one of the things they they bring to the party. Um, you know, a lot of companies um, don't like to uh, they, they you know I call it the NIH factor, not invented here factor. So they would rather roll out their own rather mundane example of a some kind of an interface, touchscreen interface. In this case, Control 4 went out, found, uh, Control 4 went out, found an excellent example of something they thought was truly unique and didn't just want that product, but wanted that expertise within their company. And that's just a smart play. Very good. Hey, Matt, can I add one thing? You know, just listening to Ted and everyone real quick, you know, there's, there's that, uh, I always call it the, op the opportunity of failure. So you've seen, you know, Savant's original touchscreen remote with the iPad in it. Then you saw their second revision of the remote. Then you saw a couple from Crestron and you saw 
everybody wanted that, but there were a lot of failures for all those companies along the way. Control Force so jumped into that, that you know, portion of watching the failure of others and then being able to build up that success with something extremely functional and sexy at the same time because they know everybody wants that. They see everybody else failed. So, I mean, I'm, that's, that's one of those big business things is let's hop out with something that really is good. Yeah, yeah. Control, control Force. Control I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Control can take the rock-solid reliability we see in the SR260 and bring that to the Neo remote. I mean, listen, Cord and Margie, I'm, I'm happy to be a beta tester if you need extra. <laughs> oh, Cord, by the way, sign me up in the middle. Let me just make a point about that. The, the, the Neo team, they've sold, they've sold about 15,000 remotes. Um, they've never had one return for a cracked screen. So, wow. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, it's, it's that well designed. So let me can I let me ask one one last question, then I'll let you guys go. Then, um, since you brought up the the fifteen thousand units in the field and never having a, a cracked screen returned, how long or or, or how is Control Four going to support existing people? Is that something you can speak to? Um, Corden, do you want to take that one? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, we. Uh, in fact, Neo is now communicated to their customer base to let them know that, um, that you know they they offer warranty on the product. The plan is to continue to support that product and and warranty it uh, for the remainder of the warranty period. They uh, have just released or about to release a, a software update, um, and then the product kind of moves into a maintenance mode where we'll have software releases as they are are needed. To deal with you know any you know problems or issues, but it it really is just in maintenance mode at that point. Excellent, good to know. Uh, thank you, Corden and Margie, so much for joining us today. Uh, just a quick thing: if people want to find out more information about obviously the acquisition, uh, the Nero products, and the whole suite of Control Four products, where can they find that? Control4.com. Excellent. Thanks again so much. Let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from CE Pro and the one and only Julie Jacobson, who I successfully photobombed at ISC. I was very proud about that. That's hard to do with Julie. Uh, goodbye, Ping. Hello, Crustron Home OS 3. There was a dramatic redesign at ISC 2019. If you have not heard, uh, Ping, which has kind of been the, 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 the focal point, of Crestron's non-super custom, super crazy residential market is going away and is now going to become Crestron Home. This is the new OS 3, which is obviously the third iteration of what was formerly Ping. If you haven't followed Ping, it, it, it's been a very good product that has grown quite well over the last couple of years. But as I mentioned at ISC 2019, Crestron formally announced uh, OS 3, which is the new Crestron Home. As a, a side to Julie's article, which you should definitely read, it gives a ton of background on what Ping is as of you know the week before ISC and where it will be going forward uh, and, and what Crestron Home is going to be. We also did a great interview uh, with Michael Short uh, from Crestron that is available on our, uh, on our website. You can uh, find the link in the show notes. Um, Mark, I want to, or, or sorry, I'm going to start with Joe on this one. Sorry, Mark, you, you get the last one. Uh, Joe, this is, this is a product that I got to say, I, I, I don't want to say I didn't love Ping, but I was never blown away by Ping. 
from a from a visual aesthetic, from the the functionality, it seemed to be fantastic. But visually, it 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 just never fully hit it with me. Now again, that might just be a personal preference. That might be a whole host of things. I got to play with Crestron Home. It's really stinking awesome. <laughs> like it it looks absolutely fantastic. What I wanted to ask you and, and how I wanted to start this conversation off was this isn't ping, this isn't Crestron Light. Is it going to be strong enough? Crestron Home. Is Crestron Home going to be strong enough to stand alone by itself? Or is it no matter what they do from a marketing standpoint, is it always going to be the little brother of fully customized Crestron solutions? Because that's what they're known for. Can they do enough to make this a big standalone product? Well, not that I have an opinion about this or anything, um, but uh, you know, when we're talking about Crestron, I'm joking. So, uh, just so happen to have that right here. Did you bring uh, props for the show? Yeah, you, you, I was trying to bring uh, version one control four remote, but it's in a box somewhere in the new office. But you know, here's the thing, you know, you learn, it's another one of those learning from experience things. You know, we watched Crestron over the years since um, Alon changed their strategy and Control 4 came out and Colorado VNet and that spawned, you know, Adagio and then there was Prodigy and then there was Ping. So we, we, we've kind of watched that chasing the tail motion uh, happening with Crestron for a long time, you know, chasing the, you know, the, the littler guys who are now the bigger guys, by the way. Um, so, you know, it was one of those, they had to have something that would be competitive in that market. Now, for, uh, the version one of Ping, of course, had its issues. You know, it was lighting, HVAC, not really any AV. Um, then there were some of those changes, but the fact to bring it all together is that important piece. Um, and at that same time, you gotta have some sacrifices. The original Ping Hub, yeah, that's not really gonna be your, your way to get into it. But the ability to actually have, you know, the interface and the, and the stuff work if you grow the system into, you know, an MC controller or, or one of the larger controllers, being able to actually transition that into a big system. That's what they've been missing the whole time is having these two, you know, separate disparate things going on where, you know, are you little brother? Or are you, you know, up big? It, it still had that kind of that prodigy um, mixed to it where they just didn't talk together that I think is the powerful thing and, and the fact that you take you know all the competitors out there like control Four, Alon, Savant and you look at their smaller controllers you know uh, control Four EA1 and you look at uh, uh, this new thought in uh, the new OS where it'll support right out of the box 150 line devices this many of that devices it's very competitive with the market now and you're using the same type of software that you could use on the bigger system. So that there's a lot of magic in it that I really like what they're doing. Very good. Ted, uh, let, let's get into the really fun question that, that I had when I saw this, that I asked Michael uh, and I asked some of the other Crestron staff and nobody really wanted to comment on the record, shockingly enough. Um, does, this, does this expand their market? About a, what was it, a year and a half, I think? Uh, they went through, they called their dealers. They wiped out a lot of dealers. And uh, I asked the question of, is this, this is something that, again, 
you can program the whole thing from an iPad. How complicated can this be when it's just programmed from an iPad? So my question for you is, is this going to not only expand their, their market opportunities, but are they going to, or, or can you see a situation where they will start to expand and grow their dealer base? Because to me, this is an awesome product, but if it's only stuck with the, what is it, 1,200 residential dealers they have right now, that's not a huge pot. Well, I, I think the, the best way I can answer that, first of all, I was in the first press gaggle to see the original Ping. And at the time, uh, as a, from a technology perspective, it was, um, it was hard to digest. I mean, you know, they launched Ping and it turned out to be more of a belly flop than a beautiful dive. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the reality was that Ping was, it was a different branding, it was a different name, it was a different image, it was a different market, it was a different set of, of uh, tools. It, you know, and it, it, you know, there was, and you may even recall as yourself, Matt, or, or any of your other guests on here, I mean, there was a little bit of a buzz that went around, like, what the heck is this all about, and why are they going here? You know, we're in a bifurcated world in, when we're in custom integration. There tends to be essentially two realms that most integrators live in one or the other some do both we have the guys that are dealing like doing you know production homes you know essentially entry level maybe a little bit step up level business and then you have the guys doing the luxury or the custom homes and there's this vast gulf in between those two extremes and uh crestron obviously for many many years has developed the name in fact some would say maybe they're even the definition of that luxury home custom uh, system market. They had many, many examples of, you know, multi-million dollar installations all based on Crestron. And, um, and you know, Ping seemed to be something, uh, you know, when it first came out, people went, well, they defeatured it. They're, you know, they, they, they've kind of, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure if this is my market or where it's going. But as a marketer, I saw instantly what it was that they were attempting to do because they're, you know, they've got brilliant engineering, you know, essentially, when you're at Crestron headquarters, you can do anything you want to do. And it made sense given the emergence of IoT and sort of that, that, uh, that activity taking place down with, um, it, you know, in that area or that segment of the market, it made sense for them to address that, or at least that's, you know, that was their thinking. Um, I don't think it was well marketed at the beginning. I'm not sure they recognized that it was, you know, it was kind of like when we went to that, it's kind of like getting invited to a secret uh, unveiling at Lamborghini and they roll out, you know, a panel side um, station wagon, you know, I, I mean, you, you, you know, it just, your head was, this is Crestron and then they roll out ping. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, as a marketer, I understood what it was they were attempting to do. And that first iteration, you know, it had a lot of shortcomings and, you know, that was new for them and they were learning as well. But they thing got better with every new iteration of it. And what I think this does, to, this is my long answer to your short question, is that by going to this, uh, the Crestron branding, Crestron residential branding, um, I think what they're doing now is they're creating that glide path between, you know, easy level one tech installation for major systems, but 
fully integratable into a more sophisticated solution. I think now this is going to make sense for uh, more and more of the Crestron integrators. And, you know, once again, you got to know your customer, you got to know your market. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean this is right for your market. But now there's a glide slope, you know, whereas it was it was this or that. So uh, I think it makes a lot of sense what they're doing. Now, you know, I need to learn more about it. And, you know, it's just been announced. So, um, you know, I'm interested to see where they go with it. Um, the original ping, and uh, Joe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm not mistaken, the original ping was introduced uh, before John Clancy got involved on the residential side for Crestron. Yeah, correct. And, you know, so, so John's done a good job. John, of course, you know, by virtue of his integrator background, he's done a really good job of helping, um, you know, uh, increase the company's sensitivity to integrator issues. And I think that's a very big value. And, um, you know, I think they've made a lot of right decisions um, when they, you know, uh, again, one one last point. Anybody who knows Crestron knows that the vast majority of their business comes from their commercial side. Residential was much smaller. And so it was kind of the redheaded stepchild for quite a while. Um, they had it, um, you know, a lot of the technologies transition and work well in both markets, but they weren't really going after it. Well, since John's gotten there, I feel as though they've put a lot more energy in going after building the residential side. I think they see opportunity in the residential side. I think they correctly see opportunity uh, on the residential side for them to expand their uh, share of that market. And so I see this as just another step on that, on that path. Very good. Mark, speaking of integrator issues, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> integrator issues or sorry? Yeah. Well, we <laughs> both know a lot of those. Heck, I'm probably one of those. Um, when you look at this, when you look at this product and you know, your friend Todd, he, he plays a lot in this space. He, he's a big ping user. The question I always have and have always had with Ping and, and any product that's like that, that is very off the shelf, works with a lot of things just kind of natively, you don't have to really do that much. The question I have is, will this, will Crestron Home get true recognition? It can probably, if, if I can make a, a very general assumption, it can probably fit 90% of the projects that Crestron residential integrators are doing. They may just want to go up to, you know, full series three just because they can and because they want to do some really cool stuff. But I, I would argue that probably 90% of the projects can be done very effectively with Crestron Home. Right. Will this will this get the recognition by those integrators or will they Will it only fit the integrators that are very heavily invested in ping right now? Right. And, you know, I, I am not uber familiar with how home works. I mean, I've gotten some insight from Todd a little bit, but I haven't gotten hands on with it. I installed ping in my, in my home when it first came out. What was that? 2015, 2014 CD. I can't yeah, even remember. 14, I think. Yeah. And I, you know, I got it right away and I put it in and I got the shades and the lights and, you know, and I then had a, CP3 in and Todd had a program for me to do all the, all the AV. And what I found with ping was it was, it was kind of windows 95, right? It was, you could do all these like fun things. It was a skin on top, but if you want to do anything deeper, you had to dig into DOS, that yeah. DOS being simple. Right? So I don't know what home OS is. Is home OS windows 96. I mean, or is it really a Mac and you can, you know, it's, it, it does everything to so do all the conditional. I know it does all the AV now and all the lighting, it does all the subsystems, but if you want to get into this programming underneath of it and the conditionals and the time of day, and the, if this happens, do that, 
if it can do all of that, um, you're right, Matt, it's going to cover. Not, I mean, to me, it's a it's, it's big competition then for the Control 4s, the URC Total Controls, Alans of the world. I think it's going to be, you know, a, a big opportunity there if Chris, if Crestron wants to go that route, which is kind of where their dealer base revolted when they launched Ping. They all, re, like, they all revolted about going down market, as they called it. Um, so I don't, you know, whether, it depends on how they position the dealer base. Is, is this a, as Ping was, a tool to get a project up and running and off the ground faster that then you can tweak within Simple and within a larger processor? Or is this going to be its own standalone environment? Um, and then how is the dealer base going to accept that? Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our last story of the day. This comes to us from a residential systems. By the way, I do think Home OS looked amazing, I want to say. It was oh, it I is. watched the videos. It's yeah. gorgeous. It is um, sexy as hell. And I think it's gonna I think it's gonna do really well if the deal is accepted. Yeah, it, it, it is a incredibly uh, sexy look. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm with you. I, I'm waiting to see what that back end looks like, what you can actually do with it beyond the the initial steps. So right. we'll have to wait and see on that or wait for John Clancy to send me a demo. <laughs> Since everybody's asking for demos and beta testing, I might as well jump in. All right, gentlemen, let's go to our last story of the day. This comes to us from residentialsystems.com. New intelligent touch panels from Alon. Since we're on a, uh, a massive home automation kick on today's show, we figured we'd kick it off with Alon as well. Uh, they showed, Nortec Security and Control, the parent company of Alon, showed off uh, two new touch panels at ISC that leverage face recognition and voice control like anything uh, or any touch panel that you would expect. These do also uh, integrate face rec facial recognition to control media, lighting, climate, shares, uh, security, everything else. This is kind of a, a new, really a new line of product. So Ted, I want to kick this off with you. Um, we've known Elon for a long time. They're a great company. They make some great products. Uh, they're leveraging NSC's Intel in television uh, to create their facial recognition. And I'm going to ask a question that kind of seems ridiculous and a little redundant, as we all have, uh, you know, iPhones and and other devices that have facial recognition. But are we to a point, Ted, where we're comfortable? with facial recognition inside your home? Uh, that's unclear. I mean, I think we have to see how that, uh, how that plays out. Is facial recognition a gimmick is, or is it something that, that uh, users will find, uh, you know, ultimately valuable? You know, we debated on this program many moons ago when voice control first really started coming out. You know, some of those early versions of voice control were, you know, were pretty rough and a lot of users, you know, I had a lot of integrators tell me that, you know, that they um, were afraid to incorporate um, voice control because if you didn't have the proper syntax, you know, the system wouldn't work and, um, you know, they were perfectly happy with, um, you know, either touch pads or keypads, touch panels or keypads uh, as a, uh, as a uh, user interface. Of course, over time, uh, as voices improved and as uh, people have gotten more comfortable with it, it's turned out that, you know, we've learned that there are many uh, end users who actually prefer voice interaction with their systems and it's kind of earned its spot. So I think with, you know, with facial recognition, 
um, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out. Having said that, you know, surveys have shown um, that one of the top concerns that end users have about their systems in general, especially systems open to the internet, is that they have concerns over security. Well, if they come to see facial recognition as enhanced security, that may, that may help them. And when I saw this announcement, I thought it was kind of a brilliant uh, use of um, technology uh, expertise that, um, that they have within their company, uh, kind of a new application of something that exists for their uh, security side um, for the home. So we'll have to see how it plays out. I always worry about, you know, gimmicky stuff and, you know, I, I you know, these things, um, you know, we're all, we're all geeks. So we love this stuff. We love the cutting edge stuff. Um, but I would be willing to bet that the integrators on this panel would tell you, and maybe even yourself would feel this, that, you know, your customers want a reliable system that when they do X, Y happens every time. So, you know, I, I think we'll have to see how that plays out. Very good. Mark, I love the fact that Ted is asking my questions for me. I don't really have to do much today. Because um, you, you literally took the words right out of my mouth. Mark, when you look at this, you know, the, the, the note and the question I had for you specifically was um, with facial recognition and, and trying right. to tie that into individual pages. Is the cost requirement of programming all of that additional logic and those additional pages and, and everything else to customize a remote for everyone based on, or, or a, a touch panel in this case, right. uh, everyone based on their, their facial recognition. Does that benefit of, of having that outweigh the cost of having to create all of that, knowing that if I walk by the touch panel and everything turns for me, that's great. What happens when my wife walks by in a minute and a half and it changes everything back for her? and then my kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Where's the benefit here in actually using facial rec to trigger this type of response? Or is this just as Ted said, a gimmick? So you know, Ted stole your question. You stole my answer talking about who walks by the panel and what happens. Thanks a lot, Matt. Um, you know, I, listen, I think it, there's, there's some great things. I think if the programming behind it is straightforward, if it's user customizable about what happens when Matt walks up versus Matt's wife walks up, I think that's going to be, you know, huge. If the dealer has to tweak every one of those things every time for every homeowner and every time they change their mind, that's going to be fairly disastrous, I think. I would guess that this is going to be pretty end user configurable. Um, you know, I, I wonder, to, to Ted's point, are, are homeowners, homeowners now... I have a lot of clients who want nothing to do with voice control because they don't want that microphone listening to them any, all the time, every day. How are they going to feel about a camera that's looking all the time, every day for their face, but it's try to convince them it's not looking in their home, watching what's going on. So I don't, that, you know, if those customers are concerned about voice, they're going to be even more concerned about video recording. But the, I mean, the upsides of it are pretty cool. You know, you walk up and you see it's you and your favorite, lighting scenes show up or your favorite, um, your favorite TV stations come onto it, uh, your, you know, however that works. And I think from a dealer perspective, it gives us a reason to sell a touch panel over the iPad, right? Mm -hmm. Plenty of clients say, why would I pay $1,000, $1,200 for that touch panel when I can buy an iPad for 500 bucks or an iPad mini for 400 bucks and put it in a little mount on the wall or leave it on the kitchen counter? Well, this now is bringing functionality that you just aren't going to get from your 
from your iPad. Very good. Joe, let's wrap it up with you. And specifically what I want or what I'd like you to touch on, because you and I have had this conversation and this debate on and off for two or three years now. Um, This unit has a dual digital uh, MEMS microphone array to give you uh, voice control over whatever interface you want um, without having to put actual dedicated hardware in for that. The benefit to that seems to be the fact that you don't have to put hardware everywhere. My question is, when you're looking at, you know, convincing a client, shall we say, that they need voice control or that they want voice control and the best way to deploy it, the debate you and I have had over the years is, when is it better to go with an actual hardware-based solution such as this, uh, as far as dedicated hardware, um, where they're, they're leveraging and, and tying in through an API? versus using the manufacturer-specific devices that can be swapped out every time they change something, if required. Does that you know, benefit of, of using, in this case, to, to use Alexa, to, to use a dot, as mine triggers, to use a dot that can be replaced at any time, any time they do something cool and upgrade stuff, versus a massive touch panel on the wall that you're not going to be able to easily or cost-effectively upgrade? Well, I mean, we're already seeing that when it comes with the dot. You know, a lot of things that were built for were built for Generation 2. Now we're on to an entirely different one. It just the list goes on and on and on. Good idea with lots of bad things in it. You know, science has proved that the, you know, the best place for one of those microphones is probably not a wall. Because um, if you're, you know, yelling through a doorway, that's a, that's an entirely different story. And the other thing is multiple microphone arrays. So anytime you do one of these embedded devices, there's a reason why a Dot and a Google Mini and all, all of those have these multiple uh, microphone arrays, and that that's so that they can, you know, figure and configure for distance. Which one are you closest to? Let's not have misfires all over the house. There's all of these things that worry me about this product uh, microphone quality it, it's and that embedded tech because we know that embedded tech look at the polk audio soundbar look at all of these other devices when it's embedded number one they're typically missing a couple of the key features like drop in or like some of these other features it's not built in the other thing is when you do get an upgrade and there are new features guess what there's a very strong chance that that device is not going to support the new features that are included and it kind of goes i feel the same way about the camera um why it what what you 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 tell me you have a camera in here we're going to do facial recognition but what is your end game is it going to see three of us in a room and be able to decide what the right thing to do when three people that are logged in or their face has been stored is it going to when i walk up to the tuck stream immediately give me my favorite things to push Will it set the room to a preset favorite of mine? What is it actually going to do? Great. You, you know what facial recognition does on my iPhone, right? It unlocks it. That's all it does. If that's what you put it in the touchscreen for, guess what? I don't care because I have guests that come over and cleaning people that come over. And I'm not storing their face in my system. So, yeah, it's great you put that in there. But give me give, same thing with the way they're doing with voice. Give me the why. Put all the bells you want in the in the devices, but unless you tell me how my programmers are going to be able to use it, 
and how my guys in the field are going to be able to use it and how my clients are going to be able to use it. I don't care. I don't care anymore. Everybody's got these same bells and whistles. Wow me with the why and wow me with the how and wow me with the what is it going to do. Um, I worry when I see embedded things like this, embedded in devices that are not the actual manufacturer that came up with it. That's kind of, that's kind of my thing on that. Do I think it could be cool? Well, of course I think it could be cool, but I need to know more. Yeah, I agree. I mean, listen, we all thought Echo was a, I'm not going to say her name because my whole house responds to me, but we thought the Echo was a, um, you know, it was a gimmick when it came out. So who knows? This could, the voice, the facial recognition could blow us away. But, but I mean, Joe, I totally agree with you. I, I have a lot of clients we're doing Sonos for, and they get the Sonos one, or they get the Beam, and it has the voice recognition, and then they're confused about why they can't use that to drop into the dock in their kid's room, and I'm sitting there. It burns 20 minutes explaining to them that it's not made by Amazon, and I don't know how many times I have to say it to them, only Amazon manufactured hardware. But, 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 but Mark, Alexa's in this. You told me, and I, yeah, it's in it, but it's not, they didn't build it. It's a huge conversation every time. So to have to deal with that with another device, it's you know now not a not a four hundred dollar soundbar that went on the wall or a two hundred dollar you know Sonos One, but a God knows how expensive touch panel. It's I'm guessing at least a thousand dollars. I didn't see a price point in the article. I don't think it, it just opens up more cans of worms. Um, you know we don't I don't sell and integrate a whole lot of voice control. Um, I still struggle with it. I still find that there's too many. To, the syntax is still complicated. It still doesn't hear me. I'm still yelling at her three or four times for the same thing, and eventually pick up the remote and walk up to the touch panel anyways to make what I want to have happen, want to have happen, happen. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it it could be very cool if it if it turns on the room the way you want it. But then what happens to Matt's point? I walk by, it turns on the room for me, and two minutes later my wife walks by because I'm now sitting on the couch, and it turns on the room for her. <laughs> And you get a little, you know, it gets a little HAL control, HAL 2000 is controlling my, uh, my house there. So. I think we have to see how it all plays out because, you know, uh, 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 I, I really agree with Joe. I mean, if it's, if, it's do, if it's nothing more than just a way to unlock your system, then there's not really a lot of point to that. Um, and I don't know that we need it. And the other thing is, I think we have to start asking ourselves, how many different ways do we need to have to interact with the system, Right. So we have keypads, we have touch panels, we have voice. Uh, do we need face? Do we, you know, do we need fingerprint readers? Do we need, what else do we, you know, how many ways do we have to have to really, uh, you know, have interfaces into the system? I think somebody has to, you know, has to explain to me what the, what the, uh, what the killer app is for this. So, you know, we'll see. Well, that pretty much does it for today. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, gentlemen, if people want to connect with you, let's start with Joe. Thanks so much for being here, my friend. If people want to connect with you, learn more about The Thoughtful Home, where can they do that? Um, they can always find us at thethoughtfulhome.com or thethoughtfulrestaurant.com. You can find us on Twitter at Thoughtful Home, on Facebook at The Thoughtful Home. And you can always find me uh, with my good friends like Matt at Cedia. Very good. Thanks again for being here. Mark, my good friend, thanks for joining us from NYC. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Home Theater Advisors and everything else that you are into, where can they do that? Uh, the best is hometheateradvisors.com, mark at hometheateradvisors.com, or on Facebook. Is, uh, you know, I'm kind of an old guy, so I do a lot of Facebook still, at HT Advisors. 
Very good. Thanks again. Uh, Ted, as always, pleasure having you here. If people want to connect with you, learn more about strategy.com, uh, where can they do that? Wow, you almost stole my answer. Um, you, can, <laughs> you can get me on social media, facebook.com slash Ted Green, T-E-D-G-R-E-E-N, or on uh, Twitter, same thing. Uh, the best place really, though, is, uh, as Matt mentioned, strategy.com, S-T-R-A-T-A hyphen G-E-E.com. Um, that's my home on the internet. Excellent. Thanks again, gentlemen, for joining us. And of course, if you uh, were watching the first segment, if you want to learn more about Control 4, control4.com. Uh, but again, thanks for joining us. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the other verticals that we cover when you visit the website. First of all, you can check out our ISE coverage. Uh, just search for ISE. Uh, but also take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.